show old millennials remember movies i am your host angela yoshiko here with my very contemplative co-host tyler wilson gene sashallot says that fried green tomatoes is a pot full of delicious fun he was holding that in his head (laughs) so he could say it just then okay so welcome to the show if you um didn't listen to the last episode. The 49th episode. <laughs> the what, Whoa. Tyler? The what, Tyler? Got the 49th episode. Spectacular. Spectacular. I got ahead of myself when I was saying it and I lost it. So really what you should do is stop this episode. Go mm. back and listen to the last episode. I mean. No, nah, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. We no. just we played a game where we were going to determine what movie we would watch for our 50th episode, which mm-hmm. is this one. And let's just say Tyler lost. <laughs> Did we? I think we both lost. Shut <laughs> up! You're such a jerk! No, so we're going to talk about fried green tomatoes in a little bit. Before we talk about how great it is, we're first going to share with you what we've been watching recently. Um, we both went to a movie, not together. Separately, but we went to the same movie. Separately. Um, yeah, I went with a friend, and we hadn't been to a movie in a while together. And... Uh, it is called Peanut Butter Falcon with Shia LaBeouf. I thought you were going to n- not get the name fuck of that. Fuck it up. I was going to fuck it up. You're such a jerk. It's called The Peanut Butter Falcon. <laughs> the Peanut Butter <laughs> Just, Falcon. No, you did good. It did great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think of that movie, Tyler? I liked it. I like... I'm a, I'm a known Shia LaBeouf... Is on a, record. I feel on like record. on record. Several articles. I'm a, I'm a Shia LaBeouf uh, defender, a Shia LaBeouf fan. I don't, you know, whatever, all the stuff, nonsense he does outside of films, whatever, I could obviously do with all that, without that, but I like him as an actor. I've liked what he's been doing lately, which has been smaller, kind of more challenging movies. I really liked him in American Honey from a couple years ago. Uh, I did not see that. It's good. But I did see the music video of the Sia song, and I liked that. Um, The one where he's in the cage. Oh, yeah, he's in that. That's right. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) I just saw it that. Came, that came out around the time American Honey came out. So. That is the same day, I, if you listened to the last podcast, um, where I was listening to Wrecking Ball with our four-year-old. With Miley Cyrus, yeah. Yeah. Miley Cyrus is our four-year-old daughter. What? No. no. Um, so, yeah, I I liked Shia LaBeouf, and he's playing against a newcomer actor. I had his name up. It's oh. Zach. Uh, Gottsagen, Gottsagen. Oh, okay. And the movie is about uh, he, LaBeouf is a, a drifter. He's a thief. He's gotten in some trouble. He comes across this uh, young man who has Down syndrome, and he has been living in a retirement home. And he decides he wants to go to a wrestling school that he that he sees on TV. And so he breaks out of uh, with our uh, noted uh, his his roommate at the time is our noted yes. friend Bruce Stern. Yes, who we've already talked about. I, I feel like we've done more Bruce Stern movies than any other actors. Several episodes. So he he's his uh, he's his roommate, but he busts out and uh, they team up kind of, and they go on this like it's a Huck Finn. I mean, even the filmmakers have talked about. 
being like it's a Huck Finn move. Like they literally say it in the movie. Yeah, they're on a raft. They build a raft. They go down. Uh, it's modern. It's modern times, but yeah, we have very much that vibe. So, and Dakota Johnson is uh, the person who's kind of going after the yeah, kid. Yeah, I really liked her and uh, Shia's show. chemistry. They had good chemistry. I wasn't. Um, I like the movie pretty much. When anytime it was just the two act, the two leads together, I thought it was really terrific. They had a great chemistry. The young that young actor, he's really good in it, and he's um, somebody I hope gets to do more. I mean, I know it's a very specific part that's kind of based a little bit on just kind of his personality a little bit, but it'd be great to kind of see him do more because I think he was really kind of magnetic on screen, and I like them. I like Dakota Johnson. I'm not one. Of, listen, I'm not one of these. Those Fifty Shades movies are bad. Well, yes, they're bad. but. We I don't agree. think she's necessarily bad in them. I think she's been trying. Mm-hmm. And I have liked her in other things. And I think she's okay here. I wish she had more of a part. She does, once she kind of gets into the mode of like a potential romantic foil to LaBeouf, I was like, whatever. This is not what the characters should be doing. But they're good I together. And uh, yeah, so I liked all that. There's a There's another plot where they're getting pursued by John Hawks, an actor I really like. But I don't, I don't understand this guy. <laughs> like he's go, going after Love and he's traveling. He's he's very, uh, he's got like Tommy Lee Jones in the fugitive detective skills. He, this guy, he seems like he's just a, a oh a, yeah, a moron. he's like checking out their uh, burned out fires. Oh my god, he's uh, he's track like he's tracking them. It's insane, and it's just like I don't understand like necessarily like why he's putting in the effort so much. I understand he does like I know what he's going for. It's not like I don't get it, but it just seems like a little, a little bit much. And then I don't understand any of his motivation at the end but whatever all that stuff aside i liked the two actors and i liked all of that relationship but that's 90 percent of the movie so oh totally it's really good it's well made and it's charming and labeouf's really good i like him it, he's a i what i like about labeouf and it's i think it's true in all of his movies even the ones that are big dumb transformers movies he is able to kind of go big and do big emotional beats, but it not feeling mannered. It feels very reactive to situations and reactive to other people on screen. And then he also can really internalize, which is something that usually it can necessarily do both without looking or appearing like you're acting, like you're a mannered performer. I like how he can do both. He feels like a... His characters always feel like real people, even though... Even when they're, like, chasing robots around mm, or swinging yeah. with monkeys. You know, I, I, I just... I, I think he's always been good and uh i like when he's acting and working and let's do some more yeah recommend recommend what else have you been watching well we were talking about this before the podcast and it took me uh seven minutes to recall because i, I was like no, I, I was like i was watching a show what the hell was that show it was really good um finally remembered it's bless this mess it's uh airs on abc but uh, watched it on Hulu. It has uh, what's his name? Dax Shepard. Jack, Dax. I always call him Jax, and then Tyler always knows who I'm talking about. Uh, Dax Shepard, and uh, what's her name? Lake Bell. <laughs> you always say that one girl from Inner World. I'm like Lake Bell. Yeah, she's great in this show and in that movie. She's great in a lot, most things. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen her in a lot of things. She, she pops in here and there. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. It's about the two of them. Um, his aunt like dies, and so they live in New York, and he and they inherit uh, her property, home, and small farm in Nebraska. So they give up their 
life in New York and travel to Nebraska, and it's just kind of that, like, fish out of water, uh, like, liberal New Yorkers and just this, like, rural farm town. Was that your liberal New York accent? Rural, <laughs> whatever. Liberal yeah. New Yorkers. Liberal New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's Pretty super good. funny. It's also got, what's his name? David Kettner. Why yes. are you like? Because like, you'll remember the names. Because I've told you who's in it's it. It's not as impressive when we already reviewed this off tape. <laughs> um, and he's he's the he's the foil to the two of them. Sure. Like he wants to buy their farmland. So gotcha. There's conflict there, but then they have to help each other, and it's just super funny. They're just what's your name is so funny, and maybe I relate to it because I feel like if I were s- supplanted onto a farm, I would be very similar in the like, what the fuck am I doing? But I'd be like, I'm doing this. I have a hammer. I'm building a roof. Mm-hmm. But it's funny. So the way watch it. It's fun. The way that you just described that while you were describing because I've already heard you say this before we recorded, I was thinking David Kettner, well, he's obviously, I mean, one of his best performances is Todd Packer. And I was thinking about him uh, having to come in the office. That didn't work. But then that got me right when you started talking about farming. I was like, I can't believe it. Remember then they were trying to make a spinoff of The Office called The Farm. And it was going to be based on Dwight Schrute's farm. Oh, yeah. And then that never happened. And then you stopped talking, so I had to stop. Oh, man, Dwight Schrute should show up. Why not? That'd be He's great. a beet farmer right down the road. He totally could, and it would be fantastic. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, is there anything else that you've been watching? No, because uh, we've been so busy dieting oh. and cooking food. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can only do one thing at a time. I can be like a really good mom. Uh-huh. I can be a good podcaster. Uh-huh. I can be like a healthy eater or someone who exercises. Mm. But I'm at this point in my life unable to do all of those things at once. I've resigned to pretty much not be able to do any of those things, maybe besides the podcasting part. No. I can sit here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can do all those things, maybe mm. not well. Okay. So we haven't really focused on trying to like eat healthy. Is that a thing? That's a thing we're doing. I guess. Because as old millennials now, we're getting fat. So we got to like. These old millennials are becoming elder millennials. No, we're still in our 30s. We're just, we're not elder yet. Okay. As long as you say that. You've been watching a bunch of other movies. So you can Uh, go ahead. I mean, not a lot of other things. Uh, So I, yeah, you went to see the Peanut Butter Falcon. So I went later by myself. So sad. Get some so I friends, saw that, Tyler. but then I followed it up with a totally very different movie called Loose, L-U-C-E, and it is one I've, it's been on my radar from listening to some other um, kind of like awards podcasts, people there liked it, and, and then there's, it's a little bit divisive, there's some folks out there that don't care for it, and it is a story of a kid who's like a, he was uh, adopted, he's an African kid who was adopted by a, kind of these affluent white parents to come to America, but he was adopted at age, like, seven, and he was already, like, a war, maybe a war criminal? It's unclear. Like, he was, like, not a war criminal, but he was, like, a child soldier. So he comes back, and we meet him when he's, like, in high school. He's about to graduate, and he's, like, top of the class. He's a star student. And then his teacher, who's played by Octavia Spencer, I'm doing that a lot today, Octavia Spencer, she's concerned about a paper he's written about, uh, kind of something that relates back to his past. And so she's concerned. And then this really tricky series of like racial tension and like status tension. And the parents are, she, they're talking with the teacher, but they're not telling the kid. And then the kid's talking to the teacher and they're not saying who they're talking about. The principal's doing this. And it's just this movie where uh, it's just like this, it's a high wire act in that, 
in any moment in this movie, like because of what it's talking about in terms of like just uh, the race aspectly, it could just like one bad move and it just it's going to be a horrible like just terrible thriller movie that you, it, that is so tonally off and not appropriate, right? But like for me anyway. I I mean I was waiting for it every minute of this I was just waiting for it to like oh this is gonna be the scene where this like just flies off the the rails and it's just bad this here on out and to its credit I think a lot of people would be frustrated by how much it withholds and I could see that being a, a major frustration for people mm-hmm. because you're not getting you're not All getting the, the story about this yet and you're not gonna get it till toward the end and so I could see people getting frustrated but to me it was a good way of like doing this this tricky balancing act of of trying to way i mean there's like there's a sexual assault in the movie there's there's this talk of um other students being held to different standards and all this crazy stuff the dynamic of the school the dynamic of the parents the parents are played by tim roth and naomi watts so you've got huge stars there i'm not familiar with the other the actor the teenager but he's very good um his name is kelvin harrison yeah he's good and uh yeah i really i i really liked it and it was a movie that i thought held its ground pretty well but i could totally see like i read i read a really scathing review of it and i was like yeah i mean i could see where you where you're coming from it, to me it worked but uh my i think the star of it though is uh i mean so octavia spencer she is incredible and to the point where we all know she's incredible to for a little i mean she's she gets nominated for oscars in parts that are like she's like almost like an she's almost at Meryl Streep level in terms of just like if she's in a movie at the end of the year they'll probably try to find a way to nominate her and like it's not on it's not on um it she she's good in all those movies but this this is a, she she probably won't get nominated at all for this because it came out early and it's a little bit divisive but this is incredible she is incredible in this movie it is um she's got some of the trickiest uh material trickiest lines of dialogue some of it i don't you know might not be great but she sells everything i really uh she's impressive in the thing uh, she's incredible i wish all movies start her oh now like she's so good at it i yeah anyway she is super good um this kid was in 12 years a slave just as like a victim yeah birth of a nation and i saw that and i don't yeah i don't know it comes at night okay oh yeah so he's the um He's the main kid of the family, and it comes at night. He was younger in that movie, but that's Did where I he's recognized. That? Yeah, we went. And saw oh, that's that one where there's like some kind of virus outside, but they yes. it's all just in the house mostly and around their compound, and in... everybody hated it because it wasn't really a horror movie. But it, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, then he was in Monsters and Men in 2018. Yeah. Did you see that Assassination Nation? I saw that, but I don't know what uh, part he like is in that. Mason in 2018. I don't remember that as well. But this is a big, really big breakout. Yeah. I think he's really good. He's it's so that's part of the trick because he's playing a character where you're that you are deliberately not being told whether or not this kid has some bad, some bad feelings, some bad thoughts, some bad behaviors or not. Mm-hmm. And he's got to play it like so that every line of dialogue he says could either be taken as like hmm, that was super threatening or oh he's just being a kid. Yeah. And that's a tricky thing to pull off. And I think he does it pretty well cuz like in cuz even in scenes you're like mm, that's a little bit off and then you're like oh that's scary or well, that seems fine. You like mm-hmm. it like so it's a tough part. So yeah, I like I liked it quite a bit. Um I'd Did be... it have you sitting on the edge of your seat? <laughs> well, again, in that way that I thought, like, this, there's no way they're going to stick this. There's no way that this is not going to end with some just ridiculous plot line. And, uh, I mean, I mean, people might disagree, but I thought that they held its own pretty well. So cool. I saw that. 
I saw and that was called Loose. Loose L U C E. Select theaters. Uh, I saw Ready or Not. This is a movie where I think it's Samara Weaving is a bride. She's just gotten married to this big family, a uh, big rich family guy, and he doesn't. He kind of tells her like, "Oh, you have to play a game on the night of your uh, our wedding," and it's a really weird ritual. But usually, it's just like a game of cards or old maid or whatever, and you play with our weird family, right? Well, the weird family has one particular game that if you get drawn, it's like you get murdered. So <laughs> she, of course, draws that card, and it's a movie where she is trying to escape this uh, family who are trying to kill her because of some, I don't know, demonic or th- th- like religious type of background thing. Um, it's really fun. I, I it, Samara Weaving is the reason to see it. She's mm. really good, and it she's fun and her reactions to things are are great uh the movie really works hard to make you buy into this premise because it's like well why would you not tell her this thing about your family or and but it you know to its credit i think it is trying to approach that uh sincerely adam brody's really good in the movie remember that guy like oc and stuff he yeah. has a good part he plays the brother um it's a little bit you know i think i think you're you're always going to be ahead of it you know what I mean? You will feel where it's going, even you know, even though it's supposed to be kind of like you just you know where it's going, right? Um, so it, I don't, I didn't love how and it ultimately predictable it was a little bit, mm. but because um, it just felt like it's something you'd kind of seen before, and it has a lot of that your next vibe, which is a really good horror movie that has like set in a mansion, and I, it's obviously going for that a little bit. Um, what was the other thing I was gonna say about it? the best part about it is is that the 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 joke is is that the family are they're not so they're they've they've never they never have to play this game right so they're almost like they have to get the ancient weapons out or whatever and the the joke is is that they're all terrible at like using these weapons and they don't know what they're doing and so i again i, I don't know if that i think that deflates the scares of it maybe a little bit mm-hmm. but i thought that was a good twist on it it's like well yeah she probably should survive at least some of this because yeah. these guys are not great at this right They're terrible so I, I enjoyed that part um she's gonna be in the bill and ted face the music movie is she i wonder how big her part is she's good she she's been in some other Thea horror movies preston 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 is one of the last things we'll the... have to do one of those movies when that comes out but um yeah yeah she's really good i know she's been in some other horror movies that i haven't seen but i really liked her in here this and i want her i want her to see her and more. Everybody keeps talking about how she looks like Margot Robbie, and she kind of does, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> she looks... She's got a look. Yeah. yeah, she's great in the movie, though. I really... That's the reason to see it. She really just drives it home. Um, I saw the movie Climax. That's on Amazon Prime. This is from the director of... The one I've... The of stuff I've seen of his was uh, Irreversible. If you remember that back in the day, it was like Monica Bellucci. That was that movie that had like this extended uh, rape sequence, and that was like everybody's talking. You're shaking your head like our four year old daughter. Your hair is flapping. It. My um, hair smells really good right now, though. So, <laughs> I I mentioned this movie because it's like it's a ninety minute movie, and it feels like it goes on for about uh, ninety years. Um, <laughs> because it's I mean it's deliberately very unpleasant. And I as I was watching it, I was just like, you know, when I was like twenty two. Like, I could probably, like, Endure. appreciate this artistry. Because, I mean, it's still... I, I The director's very good, and I can see what he's what they're going for, and it's, it's meant to make you uncomfortable. It's meant to push you. It's about this troupe of dancers who are just at a school rehearsing a big routine. 
it's really cold outside and they um someone spikes the punch with LSD or something and then so the first half is this dance thing and there's like a lot of long dance sequences and they're pretty well staged and they're fun to watch and whatever and then it becomes like this trip into like the inferno like a trip into hell it was kind of like watching for you comparison we remember when we watched that movie high rise when that that place yeah, yeah the, the the building the apartment complex just went to hell for the last hour it's kind of like that and it's just i mean i don't know like if i was 22 i'd be like yeah this is great i was just like I was disengaged with it because I was like, this is really unpleasant. <laughs> like, like, get on with I it. I mean, I get it. Like, I know you're trying to make me feel uncomfortable. You, you, congratulations, you succeeded. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> Done. Next. The only person in it of note, I think, is the gal who played, like, the mummy in that new to- terrible Tom yeah. Cruise. And she no, was in Atomic Blonde. She was in Atomic Blonde, too. But, um, yeah. Ugh, no. I'll end on a higher note, though. Okay. I Just today, I YouTubed the full... Paley Fest, uh, 10 year anniversary interview. Patton Oswald interviewed the entire cast of Parks and Rec. Oh. And their creator. So, oh. Was, uh, you know, Amy Poehler, Ron, Sw- uh, <laughs> Nick Ron Offerman. Ron Swanson. Uh, uh, yeah, Aziz is there and Chris Pratt and, uh, a- um, Aubrey Plaza, everybody. Because G- the reason I brought this up and I remembered it is because you were watching Bless Us, uh, Mess and you said that Jim O'Hare was in it briefly and i remind me of jerry and i was like oh i saw jerry yes. jerry was at this thing yeah anyway it's just it's really good it's i mean if you love parks and rec it's totally worth watching because i can't it's on youtube yeah it's been it's the paley fest thing so it's been 10 years since it launched um i don't know what the paley fest is if they do these um big get-togethers these show they talk about these shows they usually bring in a panelist to kind of they bring like reunions back and stuff like that and so it's just super fun to listen to them tell stories that you've probably heard about the show or talk about episodes that you love. And I think the best part uh, was listening to Chris Pratt talk about how, like, everywhere he goes now in town, like, when he's visiting, uh, like, cities, he said that he, when he gets to his hotel room, he often has, like, a care package of nice things from, like, the local office of the FBI, yeah. which is alarm. He's like, number one, it's alarming. Like, how they know I was going to be here? But two, he's like, he like really was like, well, but they love the fact that, um, Andy Dwyer loved the FBI and loved, yes. you know, Burt Macklin FBI. So that, I thought that was really funny. And Leslie Nope talked about, or Leslie Nope, Amy Poehler talked about kind of the enduring, um, what Leslie Nope has turned into as kind of like a face of optimism. And she, it was super great because she's like, you could tell it means a lot to her. And, right. Um, yeah, it was really, Cool. I would recommend if you you love Parks and Rec, I do. So you should watch it. Yeah, I have the book. Makes you want to watch uh, all the episodes back. again. We should oh, do that yeah. after we're done watching Psych with Marshall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'd like the Parks and Rec. He wondered why they're shorter though. He'd be like, "Hey, this seems like a shorter show." Well, you could just watch two. That's true. We could watch two. Um, that's it. I want to end on a positive thing. So there okay. you go. Nice job, Parks and Rec Paley Center reunion thing. Okay, so that's what we've been watching recently: Peanut Butter Falcon. Mm-hmm. Loose, loose, ready or not, ready or not, climax, climax. The YouTube Parks, Parks and, and Rec Bailey Center. It's like an hour. That's Bless why this mess. That's why I mentioned it because it was long. Yeah, I like that. Okay, all right. Let's get into the fun stuff. What do you remember about Steel Magnolias? Your son of a bitch. <laughs> Every time I bring up fried green tomatoes, Tyler's like, "Oh, you mean Steel Magnolias?" Okay, there's a reason for that. I'm not just trying to be funny. The reason is that they're both 
very schmaltzy movie. Because we just watched this movie mere days ago, like three days ago, maybe, and I can't remember much about it. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> you can remember all the details. Don't play that For game. whatever reason, I just, this thing does not stick in my head, and I don't, and it's the same thing with Steel Magnolias. Okay, I well, don't remember if I've seen it. Okay, well, Steel Magnolias came out in 1989. Earlier. Yeah. Friday and Tomatoes came out in 1991. Okay. Uh, do you want the high stats, then what we remember? Yeah. Since we're already halfway into them. Okay. Uh, what was it rated, sir? PG-13. Yes, PG-13. It clocks in a pretty lengthy for a 1991 <sighs> movie. Two hours, ten minutes. That's okay. I'm here to tell you where we could uh, trim all that up and get yeah. down to 145, I, I think. I probably agree with you. <laughs> Maybe 140. <laughs> um, it came out, even though I picked this as my end of summer movie, because it feels sort of like end of the summer. In the previous episode, that was our game. We were trying to figure out what would be our picks for watch the end of, for the end of the summer. Yeah. We had very different ideas about what we would like to watch, so yeah. and then we, we settled on this. Uh-huh. We settled so, in that I lost, but... <laughs> even though, for me, this feels like a very, like, warm, summery movie. Maybe because it's based in the South. It's all South, like, period-ish South, and so yeah. it's, like, sweltering. It's warm and Sweltering sweaty. heat. Yeah, but white like, people sweating well, in the Southern heat, ignoring all the black true. people around them. Well, and things are a-changing, and that's just like fall. Things are a-changing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it came out in January 24th. <laughs> 1992. Okay, no, so it's a 1991 movie, though, right? Yes. So it was in, obviously, in limited release in 91, correct? And then it went wide in January. So it got an Oscar qualifying run. It got some nominations for some stuff, right? That's what we're talking about. So it's a 91 movie, but that's really where people saw it in 92. I just read the thing, but now that you say that, that makes sense. Because it was a 91 movie, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yep. Okay, what else do you want to know? Box office. I want to hear that box office. Get that box office. I think it did pretty well. Oh, it did so fucking well tyler yeah what was the budget 50 million 11 million oh it's really low that's right super okay. low so yep. they were like we're gonna make some money do you want to know why that is by the way there's because no somebody there's for free no Shut because up. there's Don't no be men in the movie and they back in the early 90s they didn't pay women to be in these movies even like major stars but okay it's just true <laughs> it's God, sad but it's much, true i wonder how little kathy bates got paid because kathy bates movie. was your draw here she was pretty well established, I think, is misery she's, before yes. this, and yeah. yeah, so she's she's a name, yeah, and that makes sense in the marketing that they center on her because the movie is really not that much. I mean, it is about her, but it's not the major part of the story. It's not the part you remember or no. want to remember, right? So the budget was eleven million dollars. It grossed in the U.S. eighty-two million, and then worldwide one hundred and twenty, almost one hundred and twenty million. So the total number. That's a good. I mean, that's a that 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 played. People went and saw that, and they returned, and they told their friends, and they said, "Go to this movie." Yes, they did. It was a hit. Big hit on that budget, especially. So, those are the high stats. Stars Kathy Bates. Stars Jessica Tandy, who drove uh, Morgan Freeman in Green Book. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Such a turd. Um, also, Mary Stuart Masterson. Yep. Uh, Mary Louise Parker. And they are the, the two main characters in the pat the past timeline of this yep. uh, of this film because there's two timelines going yep. on here. Cicely Tyson. Cicely Tyson. Now let's make a note about Cicely Tyson and we'll talk more about her. I, I think in the credits they credit her as special appearance by Cicely Tyson. Yeah, she makes about 96 special appearances. Yeah. When you say special appearance that's like one two scenes tops. She's in the movie. <laughs> she's, she's in the movie more than Chris O'Donnell. She's quite a bit in the movie, quite a bit. Oh, she's in a lot more of the movie than Chris O'Donnell, that's yeah. for sure. Who's billed build after the four women, by the way? Top build yes. after that. So, Tyler, before we jump into more details about this fantastic film, mm-hmm. what do you remember? So, 
you okay this is what i wrote i said there's two timelines somebody is telling a story kathy bates mary louise parker steel magnolias scenes angie talks about and i don't remember a thing about it you had me watch this 15 years ago angie probably but what is it this is i we watched this the dvd was open I made you watch it because i loved this movie 15 years ago and like we turned it on and i gotta be honest with you like there was nothing that i was like don't remember that don't remember that don't remember that that was even (laughs) i made you watch that before we had smartphones so you weren't like sitting there distracted no i sat there watched the movie (laughs) i watched the movie i don't know when it's played today i was like (sighs) i feel like i've never seen this movie (laughs) all right and then i gotta be honest it's been three days and i feel like i've kind of almost not seen it that much either i don't know what it is about it i well i have some theories we'll talk about it but <laughs> I have some is, theories. Is one of the theories that you're a jerk? <laughs> no. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Um, I remember a lot about this movie, but here's what I wrote. I remember more about what you tell me about it, that's oh. for sure. Kathy Bates is visiting an old lady at a nursing home who recounts her memories of Iggy and Ruth, an abusive husband, a murder mystery, and some tasty ribs. Kathy Bates also bashes her car into some punks in a parking lot and shouts at them, You may be younger and faster, but I have more insurance. Yeah, you got that line close. We just played it earlier. Yep. That's close. That's a bummer that the trailer gave away that whole thing. Okay, that's the first thing I want to talk about. I get that Kathy Bates was the name here, but, like, they were marketing this movie on her storyline. It is, like, it's the framing device. Like, this is basically, Fried Green Tomatoes came out, and then, like, whoever, I can't remember who wrote it, whoever wrote Forrest Gump was like, shit, I I could make a movie like that. I'll sit a guy on a on a bench and I'll have him tell good stories of the flashbacks, but then you don't care about what's going on in the me sitting on the bench. Right. That's what fried green tomatoes is. It was like, here's a story about people in the past. And here's Kathy Bates fucking around with her dumb husband. Holy shit. And the old lady, whatever. Oh yeah. Green book. I don't care. (laughs) Oh, well, that's been a good episode. Everyone. That's fried green tomatoes. Other than the scene that you just said in that line where she, like, gets back at... Because she's had an awakening, right? She's been this uh, stuffy housewife for a long time. She's looking to spice up her marriage. She's looking to just break out of her rut. Yes. And, like... and so A she, common theme of working or stay-at-home women in the 80s. Sure. And 90s. Sure. And I and I get that. But um, what... The the moment the moment that she really breaks out is that scene where she like gets her car, her parking slot her parking spot stolen from those young kids and then it's she when her balls drop it's when, it's when her balls drop you said it not me <laughs> um, yeah and that's like literally the only scene that I was like real excited about when it came to her storyline because it's just like I don't know it was just compared to what we were getting in the past storyline. It was just so inconsequential to me. I preferred also, the, old, the the past storyline. Um, I know that earlier in this episode, uh, like four minutes ago, I was talking about how we're working out because we're fat. What you're, I didn't, you're working out. I'm not working out. What I didn't <laughs> like about this movie was that Kathy Bates is trying to spice up her marriage. And then when she starts feeling a little more confidence because she's hearing this story from this old lady, she's like, man, those women are so inspiring. And she's like, I'm going to get my life in shape. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to start working out. She gets a little trampoline. Guys, do you remember the tiny little trampolines uh, that all our fucking moms bought I do to like exercise? That. That's a good like, reference. Yeah, we get a little bouncy trampoline in the house. I laughed at that That's because that's very much like a 1991 oh, uh, loved those things did your mom have one I, i'm sure she did <laughs> we had one it had like brown uh rubber protector around the mm-hmm. circle oh it was so fun i don't ever ever really remember my mom exercising on it but i know we got it 
I feel like there was some video. I mean, I like the idea. Like, that's a, I mean, yeah. if I'm a, I mean, that seems fun. You You're can hop around. Because we have, a, our kids have one that has, like, the handle. Yeah. And if you, like, really go to Funkin' Town on that thing, you, you get a little tired. Yeah. And the bouncing is good for all your, like, uh, lymphatic system mm-hmm. to yeah. drain all that. So that's really, really good. Yeah. Anyway, but what I don't like about it is that, like, towards the end, she's, like, slimming down. But it's, I mean, it's Kathy Bates, so I don't think she actually did slim down. They're just, like, in the beginning, like, they put her in these, like, big, fluffy, puffy clothes and in the end they're like strategically having her wear like a belt around her waist and like she's sitting in a certain way and then a little old tandy lady or whatever her name is what's her green name? book green book lady is all like oh you're looking thinner woo i don't know it was stupid i'm not a so fan. i agree with you i don't really like the kathy bates storyline i'm not a fan of anything that, that is making kathy bates talk about her weight because i just no. don't give a shit i don't care like Agreed. i like you as an actress i don't care like Agreed. I don't like I you know what you know remember when she was in uh, about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson and I remember seeing that in the theater she's good in that and all but people like fucking lost their minds when she like got like she naked. got naked and hopped in the tub yeah they're like and people, oh my god it's so gross I was like no I mean it's it's funny like it's a funny scene I think it's a pretty funny scene because it's very shocking to just You're have like, this oh, woman shit. just oh, take yep, clothes off and hop it. in and Jack Nicholson has a, a admittedly like good reaction to it or whatever but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't, I don't need the fat yeah. stuff. But yeah, I mean, to your, I don't know. I don't know if she lost a little weight or not. Who cares? Because it doesn't matter. She's going through menopause, we learn. That's really what the, a lot of her, but that's a, just, oh, the lady's like, oh, you're going through the change. And it's oh like, oh my God, throw away, <laughs> dumb, annoying line and scene. Okay, so one thing did click with me okay. this time watching it, which is not a big deal, but I vividly remember the saran wrap scene. Uh-huh, yeah. And even as I'm going back... A little and, context. What is the strand rap scene? And, okay, so even as I'm going back on the internet, people misremember this. So okay. The saran wrap scene is like, she's at this class where she's learning to spice up her marriage. Right, with Patty Mayonnaise. With Patty Mayonnaise. Her friend is Patty Mayonnaise. Yes. Um, the actress. I, now what was I saying? <laughs> the <laughs> actress just... was Patty Mayonnaise. She's also in Orange of the New Black, but she's Patty Mayonnaise, everybody. So she's taking this class, and then at some point she's like thinking to herself like oh that like somebody someone in class or somebody like that wrapped herself in saran wrap and it was like the super sexy thing so she fantasizes about doing it but everyone's memory of this movie is that she does it she she so she's at home by herself she wraps herself up in saran wrap she basically makes a full-blown dress with a bow in front mm-hmm. and everything a little hair bow even maybe um, and her husband comes home and it just kind of ignores her and doesn't see it and is like, oh my, no, he sees her and he's like, oh my God, get out of the doorway. But then she wakes up from this fantasy. So it's like, she didn't actually do that. And then they solidify that that was a fantasy when she was like, she's sitting next to her husband and she's all like, what would you do if I like open the door and just cellophane? And he was like, probably have you committed or something, some jackass thing. Do you I, remember all this? I was kind of into it. The saran wrap? I bet you yep. were like, damn, Ange would look good in saran wrap. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I could see it. I could see it working. Yeah. I think she should have tried it on her husband. It might have worked. <laughs> I think you'd like it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like unwrapping a present. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Seems fun. Okay. Um. Oh, the husband. So that guy. Ugh. God, what a horrible person to like but watch act a, on screen. Well cast for what it's right. Uh, he's horrible, right? But mm. then. There was I had one moment of relatability because he gets home and he wants to like he turns on the baseball game or whatever and there's one line who was like ah blackouts are the worst and I was like god damn you're right blackouts are the worst in baseball. What's a blackout? 
I knew you were going to say that. So a blackout <laughs> did is... You, did you know? Uh, like, for example, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan. What? Shocking. And I pay... It's different in the 80s. It's a little bit different. But what a blackout means now is that I, I watch my MLB games on the subscription, and I can watch the Twins because they are not in our market. They don't play close to us, so I can't watch them on cable TV. But when they come and play the Seattle Mariners, that is in our market. So then my MLB thing says it's blacked out. You have to watch that game on your local cable. Well, we don't pay for local cable, which means I don't get to watch the Twins Mariners game that day, which is why I'm always like, let's go to the Twins Mariners game. We'll go to the actual stadium. That's a problem. Now, back in the day, I, I mean, it was similar to that, but I don't know. But I was like, yeah, blackouts are the worst. Yeah, they are. <laughs> also, she kept getting mad at her husband because she would like cook these really nice dinners. Really and, nice meals. And when he'd get home, he'd just, like, grab it and go sit in front of the TV. I mean... He is shitty. Is it shitty, though? I mean, if you're in the habit of doing that, which oh, yeah. a lot of families are... <sighs> I mean... Like, it, bitch, if you're not saying something like, hey, it's really important to me... I was just gonna say that. It, like, her whole conflict is... She has her problem. I mean, who knows? He might be terrible. But what they show us is that if she just speak up and yeah. say, like, hey, can you please sit with me and eat this meal with me rather than going over the TV? It's important to me. Like, that's all she has to say. She doesn't yeah. do the cellophane dress. She doesn't have to, like, mm -mm. do all this other stuff. She just needs to, like, say, like, I want this from you. Like, yeah. stop being an idiot. Because like, he, That guy's a dummy. He doesn't even know. He's just like, oh, yeah, it's food. Oh. Yeah. He doesn't have any idea that you're making an effort because he doesn't uh, pay attention. So, But this whole, like, uh, please your man um, culture through cooking a nice dinner was definitely perpetuated in the 80s and 90s, where I felt like even in our early relationship, it was like, oh, well, that's what you do mm -hmm. to be nice to your partners. You make them a really nice dinner. Yeah. To... to the extreme of one night, I made you a really nice dinner, mm -hmm. and you were in the apartment above me, mm -hmm. and the really nice dinner, I mean, I was 19, was yeah. breakfast. It Ooh, was, I like breakfast. It was eggs and yeah, some bacon, good. maybe pancakes. Mm -hmm. It was fancy. Mm -hmm. And you were doing something. I don't know. Remember. You don't even remember what. Don't even remember. But I think basically what it was is I told you, like, I have dinner ready, and, like, you didn't Oh, I was down. I was working on something, and... It was not clear that you had made, like... The communication probably wasn't great on my end. Well, I, I when you Kathy say, like, dinners, right, like... it was, like, probably our regular, like, dinner of macaroni and cheese yeah. or something. I was like, yeah, yeah. okay, I, I gotta finish this, I'll be right there or something. But, well, I did not get there in time, and you were upset. And what did I do? <laughs> I think you threw talking? it in the garbage. Oh, I dumped that whole thing in the fucking yeah, garbage. That was not good, it was I, breakfast. I went Kathy Bates on your ass. Bre well, no, not quite well in this movie, I guess. Not Kathy Bates in Misery, thank God. Well, no. <laughs> thank God. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, oh, anyway, I was going to say the way I would cut this movie down is like I would just – you know how much uh, Tom Hanks is sitting on that bench in Forrest Gump? <laughs> that amount of time, time it, and then that's the only amount of time you get of Jessica Tandy telling the story. I, dump all the fucking rest. Real talk, I think dump the whole old lady thing, dump the whole Kathy Bates thing. But that's part of the book, right? Because this is based on a book. And... Okay, but you know what? John Irving makes – writes books, mm -hmm. and he writes the longest-ass fucking books. He sees people... He writes characters from birth to death, and they're, like, 900 pages long. Yeah. He helps write the Cider House rules, and he he helped cut out... And there's other movies that he's in, cut out a lot. Yeah, 50% yeah, yeah. of the book. And I think that a really good artist understands that in a book, you can go in-depth, and in a movie, you can shift it and make it good for the screen. I'm going to say this. I agree with you, okay? I'm going to say that up front. But... 
just going off of what we saw them advertise this movie as, it seems to me that people went and saw this because they liked this Kathy Bates stuff and they liked so. going to see this. And the thing that you referenced that you liked yeah. was in that stuff. I think because it was in those fucking TV trailers that I probably <laughs> saw like and that's a, a billion times. That's an admittedly funny scene and it's good. And you like to see Kathy Bates do that because that she's great playing characters that are more proactive in their, yeah. that, that are more active and they make, they make, Choices independently of yeah. themselves, you know? And it's also a very cathartic scene. Yes. Anyone who's driven a car, when people are assholes, sometimes you just want to bash into them like eight times in a so, row. So, yeah, it's like Kathy Bates doing what you want to see her do, but that's not what yeah. that storyline is. So, whatever. And then, we'll I think we'll save this to the end, but the, the unnecessary shit of just trying to, like, confuse the timeline with who the Jessica Tandy character is, who is not supposed to be any character that takes place in the past, and yet this movie tries to be like, but yeah. maybe she is? Yeah. So even though it's very clear from the beginning, she says, "I yeah, okay, an unreliable narrator or whatever." But no, like the book is not that. So why? Yeah. So <sighs> Kathy Bates is talking to Jessica Tandy. Well, because she goes to this nursing home, and her own family member hates her. Fucking hates her. So, so she, she just goes down the friends. This other lady, yeah, right? And then this other lady's talking about Iggy and Ruth. Iggy and in, Ruth. And their story and their saga, which we'll talk about in a second. Pre or pre, pre, well, they we see a lot of flashbacks of them as kids, and then they get a little yes. bit older. Blah blah blah. And as Jessica Tandy is talking, she specifically says, "Oh, I was like a what was a, a thread good. They basically took me into their family because I married Iggy's brother." Right. But then later, the shitty like, and it's the, the shitty kid. Director, yeah, is like. Tries to make it seem like this old lady is Iggy, which then is just kind of gross. Okay. Because it's a natural, I think when you have someone telling a story about something in the past, I think the natural reaction for all of us would be like, oh, you're telling a story about your life. It was me. But your character's never present in any of these scenes, so you're just telling like these secondhand stories. So that's but a little the, bit odd. In the book, right. she is present. And it works, I, that and works much other. better in a book because you have more time and you have more detail yeah. to go into that. But Okay. So I will say this. Mm -hmm. I did read an article, very short, very, like, internet-y, like, not an actual person. Ten reasons why Steel Magnolias is better than fried green tomatoes. It was. Okay, it was like, bear with me, but what if... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Discluding the book. Okay. um, What if she was Iggy? Mm -hmm. In one point in the movie, the old lady's like, oh, I I had a son... And basically alludes that he's disabled. Yeah, and he had probably died at age 30 or something. Because she married a brother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I married Iggy's brother. But where's that story? I mean, but where's that? I married Iggy's brother. But where's the other kid? I mean... You know what I mean? Then then you gotta talk about that other kid. Well, we gotta talk about that other kid. But let's... I thought that was kind of funny. But, like, totally inappropriate. So the first flashback... So I, I... I, I, this, here's my I'll tell you what my general allergy to this movie is it is I think it's like it used to be kind of like certain period piece like Victorian movies would bother me but I you know I've warmed I actually quite like a lot of those now which is weird quite like yeah it's weird it's weird how you kind of like the things that interest you kind of ebb and flow as you, you get as older you and you change and ebb whatever and flow through life. but one thing that's like I think the new like <laughs> genre if I had a genre that's like my least favorite genre is like southern white people in the past doing shit and I'm just like I don't care about you fucking assholes I just don't care 
fuck all y'all and your southern ideas. Like, I just don't care. Oh my God, Tyler. <laughs> I just don't care. To our listeners who are from the South, we love it's and appreciate fine. you. No, you, you're in the modern times. It's fine. I actually like a lot. The Peanut Butter Falcon is like a southern story, and I I really liked that setting, and I like those characters. It's not that so much as like this plantation life crap that's just like, mm. and they're not plantation owners, and I get that, but it, and it's later than that. But it has a little bit of that feel. Now, that being said, I much preferred these past scenes, and I liked this storyline much more than I liked any of the other stuff going on. Because I think it's well-acted, and the story that it is telling is fairly compelling, and I like the dynamic between the characters, although we'll get into the complications of that. Um, yeah, but we gotta talk about this, like... This, this fifth build uh, Chris O'Donnell though. <laughs> okay, so right in the beginning, this is one of the few notes I wrote down as uh, you and I were talking about the movie, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, "It, yeah, Chris O'Donnell's in this, like, and he like dies. He's off. young, 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 you know, young Chris O'Donnell." I was like, "He, he gets killed by a train." Well, you were like, you could, you were playing it for me. He's like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna lose a leg or something," and then so the scene happens, right, and so. Which okay, I'm and then get you, the go names like this, you go, you go like this. You go, hey. So the opening titles are going, yeah, and like it's like the music, la da da da, and it's showing, Magnolias. and then all of a sudden it's like you go, hey, you said something about Robin, aka Crystal Donald, Crystal Donald, yeah, losing a leg on a train track, and his name popped up just when these train tracks did. Mm-hmm. It did. Yep, Tyler. Yep. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to wait long because it happens like five minutes later. <laughs> Yeah, like, it happens right in the away. first flashback. So she, um, he, he's dating, uh, Mary Louise Parker's character is named. Very early dating. What, okay, Very... but what's Mary Louise Parker's character's name? Ruth. Ruth. They're dating, and Iggy is, like, younger, and is, like, she, and that's her brother, Chris yep. O'Donnell. So they both have a relationship with this guy, but Iggy loves her brother. So then, yeah, he's fucking around on the train tracks. Gets Chasing his foot her stuck. hat that blew away in the wind. Fucking around on the train tracks. <laughs> he is goofing around, showing off a little bit. Boom, gets his foot stuck in the train tracks. So then when you said like, oh, he, because there's a shot of the his foot coming out of the boot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's where he loses his leg maybe or whatever. Or he gets it out or whatever. Oh, fake out. You've been faking me out. But no, what that depicted, because they don't see it, is that he was flying out of his shoes getting struck by that train. And he's killed. No, that's not what it depicted. Yeah, his no, foot shoot flies out and he's no, like smashes and all the pieces of his body <laughs> no, is everywhere. No, Where's those shots? Wouldn't no. have been PG-13. He's standing facing the train and by the time he they show us, he finally pulls his foot out because he's in the middle of the track. It's too late. So then he, yeah, he gets knocked out of his shoe no, by the train. No, he gets his shoe out and then he gets hit by the train. Like, it's just like a second too late. Mm, I agree to disagree. I think that train knocked him out of the it train. It shows it and then it shows him looking up and then I bet you the director's got, it's got blood splatter on that leg that pops up because he's oh getting God, hit by I that train. so much. <laughs> so anyway, here's Chris O'Donnell. Me thinking like, oh, he's fifth build. It's Robin. Like, no, it's like five minutes and he's dead. Yeah, he has like 30 seconds in the movie. And I, I, I don't know what... I don't think it really... Has, I mean, whatever. Like, it's not much of a tragedy because we don't know any of these characters very well yet. I'll tell you what, though, Tyler. Yeah. I have not fucked around on a train track <laughs> since ever since seeing that fucking because movie. Because then, <laughs> later in the movie, going Way forward, later, uh, Ruth's kid, who is playing named, age six... And whose name is Buddy the same. Jr. Buddy Jr., which is weird. Uh, he... Yeah, agreed. <laughs> he's supposed to be six, clearly being played by a 13, 14-year-old. Yeah. 
and he's fucking around on these train tracks too, and then he loses a fucking leg. No, he loses an arm. Oh, whatever. <laughs> but what the hell is going on with his family in the train tracks? Stay the fuck. That would yes. be number one rule of Ruth. It's like, but no, they they work next to a train junction. They live and work. That's where their the whistle stop cafe well, is. I understand that, but like number one rule is like don't go anywhere goddamn near the train tracks. <laughs> Well, and they do a weird. So then it's like this. They play. They fake the tragedy out because they, they show like a gravestone. Like the next shot is like, oh yeah, this fucking kid died too, buddy, buddy Junior. Don't name your kid buddy in this town. You get hit by a train. No, they're having a funeral for his fucking arm, which is also weird. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Why? Because I like the story. I love this movie. Do and you I love still it? Love this you still movie. love it because I think okay. the last the the because that okay. Once you get past Chris O'Donnell and you ignore all that Kathy Bates stuff, when they're old, when it's Mary Louise yes. Parker as Ruth and it's Mary Stuart Masterson as Iggy, this movie is good. Yeah, I, I, I want to sink into that storyline okay. longer and bump out all the rest of the movie. Me too. I like all of that. I think that's where, I mean, naturally the story kind of adds a little bit of a murder mystery into this little aspect a yeah. little bit as well, but um, I liked their... Um, relationship and their dynamic. Um, okay, so... So we I, have to get into this. I loved this movie. Yeah. I've watched it several times. Mm-hmm. Um, only now is a 35-year-old old millennial... And you hadn't watched it probably in a, several years. 15 years. Yeah. Um, this was the first time that it clicked for me <laughs> that these two women have a romantic relationship going on. And it is very subtle and sort of subtext on Because the, it on is nineteen ninety one. Because it's nineteen ninety one. But then when I realized that, it like clicked for me and I was like, oh that's why I fucking love this movie. Like I loved it but I didn't know why I loved it. But I feel like this movie set some foundation. Why did you love it? Because I l- l- am open to people loving whoever they want to love. Okay. Um and female empowerment and, uh-huh, yeah. you know, being a tomboy and uh, f- sexual fluidity. But I do still love you, oh, No, I'm not. I was just... I'm still attracted to you. I was just trying to clarify a... why you why you said that. So, yes. no, you're good. Because they're gay. They're a little bit gay. Right. And, um, I mean, I think it's pretty apparent right from the beginning. <laughs> I, but would you have it eight years old? No, not when you're eight, no. I mean, because that's, that's how old I and was. And that's, I mean, so I was... Sit- so this is my sitting through the movie was my core frustration because I so I've not read the books and so we were doing a little bit of reading about like what's in the book and what's not in the book and what's in the movie and what's not you know was not in the movie based that was on the book and all this other stuff and so I was frustrated a little bit I was just like well why aren't we showing like why can't like I was annoyed that it was made in 1991 and they were very clearly like going for their PG-13 and we didn't have um, they wanted people to show up and it, I mean let, I mean in 1991 the culture was just not there I mean really no, it was like not at all. When Ellen came out, that was like the start, and that was a few years after this. I mean, in terms of kind of depictions in popular culture, yeah. that was not that was more mainstream. There, yes, there are stories, some stories, obviously. It's not like oh, there's this vampire woman who's having erotic. There's a it's a moments. major yeah. it's a major motion picture targeted to a mass audience, and they very deliberately in the movie, and I found it frustrating. We're hiding that aspect, even though I think the director was doing his best to try to, like, convey that. I think it's probably good that he did and that it made it so that the movie was seen by a lot of people. Maybe, but I think a lot of people probably would still walk away from it not nearly knowing that that was what but was I going on. But I feel like it's one of those, like, Because subtle... it's like a, they could play it as, like, a sister. Oh, they're just, like, they're just as friends. They're best friends like sisters. I think that... that... 
I think that, that that's an important step in the right direction. Of yeah. Like, there are two grown-ass women who are raising a baby together, and that's okay. So where I ultimately land, so I, I'm wrestling with this as I'm watching it, but where I ultimately was wrestling with it was like, well, on the other hand, their characters would not be able to, because it's taking place in like the 1930s. 50s, 30s, 40s, 30s. They are not, they are not, oh, they can't display that in their relationship at all. They can't. They would be run out of town. They'd be treated worse than the black people get treated, which is pretty bad. Um, so they can't do that. So therefore, their relationship, at least on that, on the surface level that everybody else would be seeing, would also not be seeing that. And they wouldn't, and, and, and they wouldn't necessarily be acting upon those feelings a lot of time because they have been told i mean the whole movie is told all these stories of like jess is like oh they just couldn't tame iggy it was like well yeah because she was gay because <laughs> she was gay like iggy was gay and and ruth was bi right yeah. i mean you know so there was never gonna be like this uh yeah she's never gonna tame her so i kind of i was ultimately like okay i this for 1991 they're doing their best so I was I was okay with where that ended and, up. Yeah, and that's how women who were gay in the 30s had to live. Like they had to marry men. And yeah. Now that being said, the director I think we looked this up. He like added the like what he wanted to be for a love scene. He made it like a food fight, and that scene I don't know, that doesn't work <laughs> to me. I, it's like a food like a sexual no, equivalent. I feel like they have a scene together like at the water. That's what I was gonna talk about. So. There's a scene where it's earlier in the movie where uh, Ruth is is it no they're surprising Ruth with a surprise party and it's just like in the shed with all these fucking bumpkins because <laughs> this is a town full of bumpkins yeah. by the way just bumpkin after bumpkin white You're so bumpkins awful. yeah but anyway they have their party and all there and then they go by the lake and it's like moonlit. And you're just, like, they're they're all wet from swimming, and you're like... They're making each other wet. They're splashing And that, each I other. think that's where I was mad. I was like, this, oh, this is not going to be, oh, it's PG-13. I was like, this is genuinely hot, this is what is it is. Very like it's erotic. It's erotic and romantic, and it's just like, yeah, this is good. They've got you, chemistry. And you can feel the oh, chemistry. Yeah. You can see it. And then you're just, and then when it ended, I was like, wait, what? They didn't, like, what happened? Oh, I'm all hot and bothered, <laughs> yeah. and like, nothing happened. And I think that Mary Louise Parker and Mary Stuart Masterson are really good in this movie, especially together in scenes. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's, so to me, that was like the scene where I was like, yeah, well, no, like, just, they like each other in a, in a sexual way. They were each other yeah. for so many And they, days. I think they play that really well because the other stuff, I, like, the food fight, whatever, I don't know, like, that might have been like the directorials guy, but the actors had already done the work, I felt like. They were doing what they needed to do to convey this relationship. Yeah. And ultimately, I don't think the movie. I think it could. St I think it still serves as a um, a resonant story if you don't know that they're into each other that way, because their friendship is still, um, yeah, it's still uplifting and powerful and all that. So I could see it'd be fine if you watched it and be like, I don't see that. I'm like, well, all right, but I mean. They had a great straight fungus, but they also, you know, they liked kissing. <laughs> they liked each other's boobies. Yeah. You know, they may not have, maybe they only did it behind closed doors, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, I feel like this movie, surprisingly, created a lot of foundations to my personality. Uh -huh. One, fine to be gay. Two, fine to be a tomboy and not be gay. Because that's True. sort of what I thought was maybe happening there. I sort of knew. She didn't like men, though, so that was questionable. She yeah. never liked men. Nothing. Well, there's a, there's a character that's a, that's a cop. Her. That but is they're always, just good friends. They're just good friends, but he's kind of sometimes terrible. He, well, she, for a little while, we think he's in the KKK, but we but find out not, he's not. He's just like a nice guy. He's actually. a nicest guy. Yeah. I learned that you can be friends with a man without having a romantic relationship. Yep. I learned that if you have a best friend and she marries someone who beats the shit out of her, you can fucking defend your friend. Murder them? No. 
not well, she murder doesn't, them. She doesn't she murder, doesn't murder them. them. No, she doesn't. But you can defend your friend because she shows up one day to deliver a pie or something to mm. Ruth way early in the story. So they've they've had this um, summer together where they were really good friends, but then Ruth moves off to get married. Get married to this, and he's not a character in the movie. He's just immediate, like immediate fucking asshole, violent piece yes. of shit. Like, like he looks like yes. it. Perfect casting, but. And Ruth moves in with her mom and the husband. So while her mom's alive, the guy can't really, like, beat the shit out of her as much. Right. But then her mom dies. Right. And then Iggy shows up to bring her a I'm sorry pie for her mom dying. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, she's got, like, a black eye. And then she's got a black eye. And right. Iggy just loses her fucking mind. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, I feel like that is a is something that I definitely took on of, like, if someone's being mean to my fucking friends, I'm not going to put up with it. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where a lot of this, uh, this murder mystery ends up stemming, um, from is that she eventually does help when she's pregnant, Ruth is pregnant. She does run away from him. They're in a different town and she comes back to the main town. That's where they build the fried green tomato stand or whatever the shop whistle stop whistle stop and they work it together and they, she has her baby and the guy, the douchebag, bad guy comes and, uh, well, and the, the key thing here is that Iggy like. It said, I will When she comes to get her, I'll kill you. Because she and, you know, kicks her down the stairs. Like, Jesus. Kicks the uh, pregnant. Yeah. Um, so she says that. And so that's where this investigator starts getting this idea, right? Um, so the the guy comes back to, like, take the baby. And then he is... We see that Iggy has been told about it by her... She's a he's a family friend. It's the his name is like Stan Shaw. Is that the actor's name? He's in a lot of stuff. The Her black friend. Who, what's... And he's like the... Uh, Big um, George. He, Stanshaw, yeah, Big yeah. George. So he he's there to kind of help, and she he's he's worked with E.G. for a long he's time. He's helped them in the restaurant, right? Long time in the restaurant. So then they hear about this, and then we don't see what happens. Someone whacks him dead, and then the the, the car is like put in the river or something, mm-hmm. right? And then he disappears. There's no, no evidence of anything for I think five years go by or something yeah. like that. So there's a baby. Five years later, and there's a th- and then a thirteen year old boy shows, shows up yeah. to lose his arm. And then like five years later, I'm like that kid is not like six thirteen. Years old. And they I, they did it because there's like another time jump, and he's got to be older. And they're like, we don't need to cast yeah. two kids. Another horrific tragedy time we'll, jump. We'll get to that, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this mystery goes on, and you know, spoilers first. Uh, fried green tomatoes almost at Stone Magnolias. Not <laughs> not jokingly this time. <laughs> But it was Seth's special appearance by Cecily Tyson. She is Big George's mother, right? They're related, yeah. right? She works there too. She this guy knocks her down or whatever. Well, she ain't having that shit. She goes over there with that frying pan and whacks him dead. And then Iggy and George end up like hiding the well, hiding the body and uh, getting hiding the car and disposing of the body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so then that gets kind of dropped for a little while until this invest the car gets found in this investigator who's already suspicious because he's missing. And this is what's weird. So the the racial undertone of all this is that it's very offhand in that it's just like, well, like Iggy threatened him, but she knows that that, that black guy, so he probably did it. So he's implicated. He's gonna hang. Yeah, I mean it's just like there's no evidence of any of this, but it's just like, I, I mean it's a pretty um, when you watch it and you. You don't take the time. It's like, it'd be like so weird. Like, well, what evidence? The, number one, do you have anything? But it's just like, that's just how it was. Listen, this is the 30s in the fucking uh, yeah. South. Fuck uh, you. You're good. Yeah. You're, and it. No, no justice. I kind of like how the movie just like, it's very matter of fact that that's just happening in it. And it, it, it doesn't make a too big a point because George is not a big character in the movie, really. He doesn't Which have a lot to do. 
frustrating watching it now. Like, yeah. I don't feel like that that would be tolerated in a movie now. He, I mean, I think the movie would have been, like, again, if you had just focused on this timeline, you could have, because I don't really, like, it would have been nice to see him be more of a, a valued member of that family. More than 10 fucking he doesn't words say they much. And, it, and, and he goes on trial with her and all this other stuff. But yeah, so in the movie, he's making a point of, you know, how we ra- uh, marginalize a certain population. But at the same time, the movie also is marginalizing a little yes. bit too. So, yes, I agree. And I wish there was more time spent with that. Now, I like the point that it's making. I do like the point. But I feel like that is. And he's a good actor. We, we, see, we see him in lots of stuff. So. Anyway, but yeah, they eventually, they do find the car and they end up going on trial, but then uh, the pastor of yeah, the, the town, reverend. Uh, alternate Alfred Brimley, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Wilfred Brimley, no, what's his name? He's from lots of stuff, but... Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Pastor lies to tell them that they were doing something else that night and Richard basically Real? exonerates them. Richard Ryle, Reverend Scroggins. Yeah, he, uh, and we, by the way, we don't learn that, uh, Cecily Tyson's the one who, uh, nailed them until the tail end of the movie. Jessica Tandy finally tells Kathy Bates this, but, um, and it, 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 it plays fine. I, I, I like all that stuff. It's, I mean, again, I think that George would be better served with more material, yes. but, um, yeah, no, I, I, I liked all that. Um, but then we get the big, um, weepy <laughs> final big time jump, which is, uh, they're older, they're doing okay, but then uh, Ruth gets sick. And Ruth is in a bed, and we get a lot of this, uh, yeah, she's dying. She's going to die. And yeah. so we get this big ending of, uh, after we've been faked out a few times, some other deaths, here's the big death uh, bed It's shit. so sad. It's really sad because the performances are so good between these two, it's right? It's so sad. They are doing, because uh, it's a really long scene where she, Iggy comes up there to kind of, I mean, she kind of knows that it's like it's toward the end. It's time. And she's asking, and Ruth is asking her to tell a story, the story that she's told before about like that her brother Buddy that had her told brother her, Buddy had told, told her both of them, right? Um, and she she tells tells the story in the middle of the movie. He Chris O'Donnell says it early in the movie, and yeah, she tells it again. It's the story of like the the ducks that land on the um, the pond. It's like, oh, did you know we used to have a lake over here? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, one day in the middle of November, a bunch of ducks landed on the lake. And my God, in an instant, the lake froze over. Yep. And so the ducks... They just picked up and flew away and took the lake with them. I think it's somewhere in Michigan. Or George, where was the next... Georgia what or whatever. <laughs> um, so, rule of three is right in a screenplay. You get to tell that story. Like, you hear it a second time. It's like, well, we're going to hear that story one more time, right? Um, and you do. And it's... Uh, Mary Louise Parker's really good in this kind of this, like, slip away moment. And then you... Mary Stuart Mashens is in the other room. She's not really seeing her, and then they, yeah, she dies. It's sad, sad because it's good, well, well acted. It's good stuff. It's That's sad, <laughs> super fucking sad because you're like, yay, they finally got their branding. They're together. They're yeah. safe. This guy's out of the picture. They're not going to jail. Yeah, so we, I mean, yeah, I mean, it in it. So other movies have done this, and there's more that they've. There's a lot more after. Like, so this was a hit, right? So then you started seeing more of this stuff too. These weepy endings, and that, I mean, this is the tales all the time. We like to kill tragedy, 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 right? But I think that the way it's written and the way that it is performed is it's not. Uh, it, I would not classify it as like a weepy type, uh, like um, not shallow. What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, sentimental. No, it's not sentimental either because he's dead. But well, sentimental can be uh, sad, but. It's not. It's not just trying to pull your heartstrings. You know what I mean. It's. It's. It's doing the work. It's earned. It's. It's earned. It's. Uh. It's moments. I'd say. I think. 
And not to, like, make a stretch here, but Uh this was the early 90s, and there were a lot of people dying from AIDS at this time. Not that she had AIDS. She had something Was that a thing when the movie came out? Was there a lot of connections to that or no? I think that people... I think people who were gay going to the movies never got to see themselves represented. Well, that's what I'm curious about. Is this this movie considered, like, a, like a... Yes. A, a, a major moment. and Not for... like a major moment, but I think there are a lot of gay women, uh-huh. especially, that were like, fucking finally. Telling that story in a roundabout way yes. when they could tell it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. dealing with the like, oh, I finally, we're happy together and now this fucking thing is taking yeah. my it, life it, away. We don't really know what it is. It's can't, seems like it's cancer yeah, or something. Some sort of something. Yeah. Something bad. Her mom. Is, her mom. is it the same thing her mom had? I think like, that's kind of oh, telegraphed before maybe that this is, runs in the family or whatever, but. Yeah, it's sad. And then we got to go back to goddamn Kathy Bates and Jessica Tandy tip-tapping around. without that. Pretending that. And then, yeah, oh, you, oh, I think she's around here somewhere. The, oh, there's some honey on her on Her grave. grave. And there's a note for Amiji. Oh, I wonder where that note's from. And then it's like this long, lingering shot on Jessica Tandy suggesting that, like, maybe it's her. And then she has this, like, creepy-ass grin, grinning, gotcha grin. Well, like, all the other shit that she said. I mean, okay, yeah, okay, unreliable there. But then when you know that the book didn't do that... um, yeah. Annoying. I know. The book was, uh, so the screen, the author of the book tried to write a screenplay for this, right? And it was like, this is fucking hard. Someone else tried to write it, she tried to do it, and then the director ended up finishing it. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's interesting. When you told me that she, I thought maybe they, they rewrote, it, rewrote it after she did it, but no, it sounded like she just was like, ah, she you guys like, figured out. I think she got like 70 pages in. Yeah. And then she was like, fuck this. This is hard. She didn't do herself any favors by having a weird-ass structure where there's like these two characters telling a story, but they're not one of them's not one of those characters, right? That's hard. I think it's it works in a book a lot better. To to go from book to screenplay. That's a, a really hard task. Well, and it's not a it's not a linear there's two stories going on, right? And you have to find parallels to make them both work. I don't think the movie does a good job of parallel, you know, making a proper parallel between the two to justify the other one as much. It's fun. I get it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed very, to like lighten like, it. Female empowering. I get that. Oh yeah, let's talk about. So there, there's a lot of this. I think Black Panther and they took well, Black Panther the comic was around. They keep hailing out like Wakanda forever in this movie. Did you hear that? Kathy she Bates was is not calling. Saying Wakanda she's saying forever. Wakanda. She's like she's Wakanda forever. Tawanda. What's Tawanda? <laughs> I don't. That's just what Iggy always said. Was it about Wakanda? No. I kept hearing Wakanda, and I was like, "This is about Black Panther." It's Tawanda, like Tawanda. Tawanda or Tawanda? It's like Tawanda. What are you saying, Tawanda? Two, are you saying two space Wanda? Or are you saying one word Tawanda? Tawanda. It's like a g- g- Greek god or something of whatever. Is that what we're trying to say? You're something looking it up. Like it was yes. in the movie, but I I don't know if I was already forgot that part. Yeah, and I was thinking too. of Wakanda. She says it so many times though. She's like Wakanda forever, and I was like, no, you can't say that. I don't know, but it is a very female empowerment. Even if the Kathy Bates storyline is annoying, it's still very like hoorah. Rah. Well, I think it played. I, it obviously played because they add, they leaned into the advertising. Husband. I like no, that she didn't, she didn't divorce her husband. No, she actually just like started talking to him. Yeah, and that's I, yeah. It, like I think you look clearly, people went and saw the movie, and that was what like got them in, like because that the marketing was hitting that. I don't know. You were watching the clip. Did they even show the clips of the old the past in those that thirty second clip? Yeah. Oh, not in the 30... I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. That's, that was too long ago. Listen, Gina Shalit says, if you boil up some uh, tomatoes, 
And of your best pan, it wouldn't be as good as Fried Green Tomatoes the movie. Oh, you want to know what Roger Eber said? I do. What would Roger say? This is a this segment. This is our segment. In which we go back and look at what famed, noted film critic Roger Eber had to say about Fried Green Tomatoes, or the movie that we're talking about. Um. So, how many stars out of four do you think Roger Eber gave Fried Green Tomatoes? Three and a half. He gave it three. No, just three. Just three. Okay. His first line um, is, uh, I have a built-in resistance to movies where a couple of people sit around in the present discussing a story that took place in the past, and then we get flashbacks showing the earlier story. I usually can't see what the point is. Why not just tell the story from the past and be done with it? I would be curious if you, for you to pull up the, his review of Forrest Gump just a few years later. And my blood always curdles a little toward the end of these flashback movies when... Dot, dot, dot. Hold on. Dot, dot, dot. Can you believe it? Dot, dot, dot. The person telling the story is actually that young person from all those years ago that <gasps> gasped the story actually happened to. Mm. Sometimes flashbacks work. They work in Citizen Kane, for example. Sure. Usually they Crazy do not. They made. Look at Bette Midler's For the Boys. That's not the first time he's mentioned that. He's really up on that movie. <laughs> uh, and then blah, blah, blah. He talks. She talks about Kathy Bates. But overall... He likes it, so I don't know. He probably doesn't like that, that Kathy Bates shit. Well, um, I would agree that it doesn't. I don't like. I could, you have to really find a reason to do it, right? It's kind of like Saving Private Ryan. Why the hell are we with this guy as an older man when the movie the movie starts proper when we're in the past? Same kind of deal. I will say that there's a movie by Wes Anderson called The Grand Budapest Hotel, which does a really uh, fun thing with its you framing like device. Jump arounds. I do like jump arounds. I don't necessarily like this te- someone telling the story. Like I'm sitting with an old person. Right. Time. So what Grand Bet Budapest Hotel does is just like a story within a story within a story. Yes. And it's very deliberate. Yes. And the way that they're framing it is part of the point of what you're seeing. And I really like that. Yeah. He's, he's almost commenting that. on that a little bit. Um, and then he says, this is another part I liked. You have been to Whistle Stop before. In a dozen other books and movies, it is one of those southern towns where decent folks get along fine with the Negros, but the racist rednecks are forever driving up in their pickups and waving shotguns around and causing trouble. And I think that you and I kind of talked about that. It's like, it's not not in our town. In our town, right. we don't have no Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. It's an outsider yeah, sure. coming in. Meanwhile, half the town is part of the Ku Klux Klan. I yeah. know. Yeah, it's a little bit of that, right? Like, well, we, we did it right in our town. And I think that there's this idealized for people have mem like well, there's few those people are alive anymore, but they have memories of like, yeah, no, we were really tolerant. I was like, well, you probably weren't as tolerant as you think you were, but okay, at least you weren't running around with your hood on you or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I I get that, and that's that that really plays into what we were talking about with Stan Shaw, just kind of wanting that to be a more material character in the movie. So yeah. yeah. Steel Magnolia is not. I, don't know. I hate you. We're gonna watch that next, just because you said <laughs> not that. Not next, because we've got ooh, we've got special programming coming Called up. Called Steel Magnolia. No, we got special programming coming up. Back to school. Back to school September. Okay. Scary October. These are things you do. Thanksgiving November. We'll do Christmas, like one. December. We do like a. We do like an episode Thanksgiving, and then we do like Christmas uh, movies in December. Yeah. Should we do a little tea time with Tyler before we wrap it up here? I mean, I guess. Okay. Are you ready? Sure. Tyler Wilson, mm-hmm. for my Tea Time with Tyler, where the segment goes, I refill my teacup, which, by the way, so I asked Tyler to make, I asked you to make my tea tonight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I filled up the kettle. Uh-huh. It's not a kettle, it's a teapot. I filled up my teapot. Water's done. You get the tea bags out, you put them in the cups, and then you walk away and you go, oh, 
I didn't put the water in the cups. Hey, hey, Tyler. No, Tyler, you got it wrong. Tyler, this is how tea is made. You got it wrong. You take the hot water. Tell me more. <laughs> you put it in the cup with the tea bags. Tell me more. It steeps, and then you drink it. Interesting. You've lied. That's not what happened. You asked for two types of tea, which yes. I pulled out. I did not put your tea bags in the cup. I wasn't sure. You didn't sure. even fucking open them. That's why I you didn't even get them out of the package. Here's why. I wasn't oh. sure if you were planning on putting both in the same cup or if Question. you were saving one to do one and then do one after that. So I decided not to. How do. many fucking cups of this tea have I had with you at this fucking table? I thought not- that you were getting a, a tea bag that contained both green tea and peppermint flavor in one satchel. You, if you ever paid attention to me, listen, I, why would I pay attention? I mean, atten- Kathy Bates you, here, you and pull I'm it communicating out. with you. You pull it out. I'm paying attention to you quite a bit. I you pull, pull it out. out. You pull the packaging off. Doesn't, it doesn't say peppermint on the side of that tea bag. Uh, it does, right here. Peppermint and mint. Well, it's so subtle and small. Mine doesn't say that. Mine I mean, says it doesn't actually say that, but you can see that there's yeah, two exactly. tea bags there. Yeah, you know what? Suck on okay. my tea bags. So well, I fill <laughs> up my tea. Tyler Wilson, tea time with Tyler. Would you like a bit of tea? Well, I don't have much left, but you don't get any. I don't have much left oh, okay. either. I need you to tell me your favorite movie that you can think of, or any movie that you can think of that's set in. The South. <laughs> Set in the South, a movie I like. Well, I mean... I bet Steel Magnolias is set in the South. <laughs> is that set in the South? Yeah, uh, probably. Oh, man, I don't... I mean... If you hate them so, let's hear hear it. I'm just trying to think of one I like, because I don't... I mean... Any that you don't like. Any movie set in the South. Well, I mean, like, I've seen the grapes... Well, that's not even in this, is it? I mean, um... That's Oklahoma, you know, so called That's South. Um, God, you know, I don't know. That's really hard. I don't... I can't think of one think off the top of my Ku head. Think of some Ku Klux Klan movies. Well, like, Django Unchained? I don't think that's really a count. It doesn't count. You failed. Uh, yeah. Okay, let me Google it. Let's see how much Google knows. It's like the movies. Help. Like, I don't want to see the Help movie ever again. Fuck that movie. Popular movie. You, at least you thought of the Help. Yeah. Popular movie set in the South. Are you ready? Here's like, I, I like 12 Years a Slave, but Run that's not like wind. a movie that's to like... Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, I do love To Kill a Mockingbird. Deliverance. Birth of a Nation. Deliverance, Deliverance is more modern. I do, I'm a big fan of uh, Deliverance. Um, Driving Miss Daisy. I, no, I mean Green Fried. Book? Excuse me. Excuse me. Green Book? Fried Green Tomatoes. Uh-huh. Sling Blade. <laughs> yeah, okay. Cold Mountain. <laughs> and that's all my thing will do because my internet won't load. Okay. But there so, you go. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite books, what and I happen to, to love kill. the movie. A Time to Kill is set in the South. I, You know what? That's a future episode because I did like that back in 1995. I, did I don't know if it holds Matthew up. Matthew McConaughey. And Sam Jackson. Yeah. But I don't know if it holds up because I have not seen it in probably 20 years. Because I enjoyed it at the time because it was a very like 90s uh, adult drama, John Grisham courtroom thing, right? Yeah. And it had Sandra Bullock and it had Sam. It was stacked, right? So many. So stacked. Such a huge cast, but I don't know. Maybe that might be a future episode. Um, Any others you can think of? I mean, To Kill. So I. Not only do I. I, I really like the To Kill a Mockingbird book, but I am also of the mind where this is a. I, if, I, if I had to sit down, if I had time to do. Both. And mm-hmm. I know that it would take longer to read the book than it would to watch the movie. I would probably want to watch the movie over reading the book because I think the movie is really good and the it does a really good job good. with it. And I, I like uh, Gregory Peck and I just like that movie a lot. So there, there you go. That counts, I guess. Would you like to hear some more movies set in the I house? would. Just for your brain? Yes. Moonlight? Oh, I do. Moonlight's modern. I like Moonlight a lot. Baby Driver? Modern. I was looking at what? I'm looking at set in the South in the past. I don't have a problem oh, with set like in the 80s South. and 90s? No. Like. 
movies that are set during like the color purple. the plantation, the color purple, and slavery. Those movies are like really like like Twelve Year Slave is a great movie, but it's not like a movie I'm going to go back Steel and watch Magnolias, a bunch. Magnolias, baby, I knew yeah. it was set in the South. Yeah, um, you know, so that's that's what I'm talking about. Like not. Yeah, Moonlight's a great movie set in the South. It's amazing, but it's not what I'm talking about. It's not the kind of movie I dislike. It's like the period. How? Wearing those stuffy... I'm talking I'm about people... honky-tonk freeway. I'm talking about those ladies wearing those big foo-foo things, and they're blowing a fan on each other and be like, Oh, darling, where are we going to go? Like gone with Forrest the wind. Gump? Like Gump? Le- like Forrest Gump? I don't... I don't... You want to know something? Do you want to know something real? Oh, want to hear something right now? Ooh, I do, I do. I don't love Forrest Gump. Nobody does, because like eight hours of a history lesson. I don't Nobody love liked it. it. Nobody our age loved it. I know people that love it. Your parents? Nope. Other people. But, like, do they really love it? Like, do they want to sit down and watch it today? I've, I've got a couple of pe- people that you know. I'll tell you off mic. I'll tell you off mic. Jonah. No. <laughs> Sean. Fred. People don't know these people. Lisa. <laughs> it's not important. Who likes it? <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. How about The Adventures of Huck Finn? I don't. That movie's not very good. I like Huck. The, the, the book is great. I love the book. But Interview not... with the Vampire. That's gothic. That's on the list. Gothic. That's okay. gothic. Well, that was fun. Oh, you know what? We have one more game to play. Oh, I better leave my computer. No, right? you better close that computer. Let's close open it. Open up that Google. No, close the computer. Because we're gonna play a little game called Angela explains it all. Na 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 na. na, na, na. na, 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 na. This is a game where I don't know anything, and you exploit that and make fun of me for close it. Close the close the book. Close no. the, close the computer. But why, Angela? I want you to explain it all. The plot of Steel Magnolias. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Gotta save that for the Steel Magnolia episode. I want to know what it's about that you can remember. Okay. So Steel Magnolias. Okay. Is about a bunch of ladies in the South, uh-huh. and they're sitting in a lady salon, and they're talking about things. And Julia Roberts is a diabetic. Okay. And she's got fucked up arms that she might be doing drugs. This is not a movie I've and, seen. <laughs> and Julia Roberts dies. Or Jesus. Almost dies. <laughs> Oh, that's spoiler. I think that's way at the end. <laughs> and it's so sad. Everybody cries. It's a horribly depressing film. This is a movie that I I've and, surely uh, saw uh, and I this none of this tracks. What's her name from Gump? The mom. Robin Wright. No. Sally Field. Sally Field is in it. Uh-huh. She's Julia Roberts' mom, I think. Isn't Bette Midler in this thing? No, you're thinking <laughs> of uh, Beach. Beaches. Beaches. Another movie. Yeah. Oh, that's on the list. I know I've seen Beaches. That one I kind of remember. Do you want remember. me to read you the plot of yeah. Steel Magnolias? You, I mean, you kind of... I'll, I'll give you credit. You kind of knew some of that. Unless I, you're totally wrong because I don't know. It's <laughs> gone off my memory and you never would let me watch I, you it. You know what I was going to say about fried green tomatoes? Not enough fried green tomatoes in the movie. Sally Field is the mother of bride-to-be Julia Roberts. And as friend Dolly Parton... Dolly Parton. ...fixes the women's hair for the ceremony. Okay. Fuck it. I nailed that. Just let Dolly you know. Parton. They welcome a helping hand from aspiring beautician Daryl Hannah. Oh, Daryl Hannah's Diabetic too. Shelby has a health scare, which is averted but doesn't bode well for hopes of having children. Time passes as the women and their friends encounter tragedy and good fortune, growing stronger and closer in the process. I fucking nailed that plot. Time passes, though. Swish. Swish. Talking about time passing. You Swish. just talked about a salon. Swish. Salon. Swish the shit out of that. Just salon talk. That's all okay. I heard. Guys, that was a really fun episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Anything else you'd like to say, Tyler? No. If anybody wants to remake this it. This was the 50th episode. Yeah, we make a big deal about 49. We don't care about 50. 50 episodes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah. Bam. If you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, we didn't get. Take a few minutes. We would super, 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 super appreciate it. Go leave a review wherever you listen to episode podcasts. Okay. Um, or shoot us an email or make a comment on our website, Old Millennials. Remember, and you keep claiming com. that people can do that, and I'm not convinced. <laughs> I mean, they can. I might not like see your comment or approve it for like a month after, but I will eventually see it. Okay. And I might email you back. Cool. That will make you feel famous. You'll be like, "Ooh, those famous podcasters email me back." We're not, but we we don't. I mean, yeah. Yo, know, you're trying to play it coy. Like I'm cool. No, <laughs> I'm famous. You are famous. I yeah. am not. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that was fried green tomatoes. Remember that it's okay to be gay on film, and okay to murder people who beat up women. Wow. Isn't I mean, that what the movie was about? Well, I mean, I, I would say murder is generally oh, not. We great. didn't even talk about how they got rid of the body, Tyler. Oh my god. Okay. We <laughs> can't know, be over with the podcast. I know the body is almost over. You're right. How do we forget? <laughs> So, to be clear, though, you're not advocating murder, are you? I mean, no. Okay. I am definitely against killing other people. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's okay for mo- characters in a movie to kill someone who's beaten up a woman. I think it was okay for her to be like, I'll kill you, like, telling him that. That's for yeah. sure. I said that to a guy at a wedding once. I didn't say I'd kill him. Cool story. <laughs> okay, they get rid of the body by... Okay, well, I was actually a little bit surprised about how they weren't very... I mean, they keep it kind of vague for anybody that's going to be real grossed out by it. They do. But they, like, cut that guy up. Because remember, they have... This is Whistle Stop Cafe. They've got a barbecue And every once in a while, they put on a real good barbecue. Right. And Idge goes up to Big Jordan. She's like, let's get them them pigs roast, you know, barbecue. And he's like, it's, like, way early to do that, lady. Mm. And she's like, do it. Because we're going to throw in that other dude. I like that. Did he say it's way early? Yeah. What a weird thing to be upset up in arms about. It's maybe the part he's that like, he's like, like, five weeks earlier to those cat, those pigs are ready don't, for... Don't do that accent. But, um... <laughs> I was doing a southern accent. Okay. Um, wouldn't you think that his greater concern would be like, mm, I don't really want to cut up a human body and cook it. Okay, and during this whole time, <laughs> they're showing in the film his, his Big George's daughter, who's like t- 10... Mm-hmm. Watching him barbecue the whole thing, to me, it implies that the daughter, the girl, watched the whole fucking thing. Maybe that's thing. Jessica Tandy. Does that check out? <laughs> no? Mm, age might be a little bit off. Okay. Race could be an issue. But here I am thinking, so apparently they chopped up the body and threw it into the into the thing. And then the what copy. What did they do t- with the hair? And what did they do with the teeth? I mean, it's unclear. <laughs> and what do they do with the face? I mean, it's unclear. You're not just getting rid of... In the of, uh, nails. Well, it's probably in, in the, the bones. Probably in the sty where they throw all the pig bones, probably. The, but they would look like human bones. You don't, like, put... You don't eat a pig's head. they probably throw that out, right? So it's probably in the same bone. Uh, yeah, you'd think they might search the premises for some, like, human bones if they were yeah. arresting them. Yeah. I don't know. Just, they don't know what they're doing. So I had this other theory, though, mm-hmm. when we were watching it, that they fed him to the pigs. Because that's in some movies, like, mobster movies, where they, like... Throw people to the pigs. In Hannibal, uh, defigured Gary Oldman uh, is feeding people to the pigs, and then, oops, he accidentally falls in those pigs, and he gets eaten. Oops, Gary Oldman. So, honestly, I think that's what happened. Those are human-fed pigs, so you still wouldn't want to eat them because that's disgusting. I don't think that's... I think it's suggesting that it is a human being. Like, there's comments that it's like, it's you're eating a human being. And then, you know what? You How know fast what? can a pig eat a human? 
That's a question I have. No. Because they did need to get rid of the body I mean, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you're raising a good point. That would be the better way of getting rid of it? Because you got bones. Because they said we never found a body. But you have to have pigs on hand. They did. Well, that makes more sense. But the way that they talk about it is like, oh, this is the best barbecue I've ever had. But then that wouldn't... Yeah, it seems like it should just be human-fed pigs, right? Yeah, I think that's what makes sense. I might need to read this book for uh, homework. Well, what's on the Wikipedia page about it? I've already closed my computer because you forced oh. me to for the oh, game. Oh, you bullshit. You didn't close it until after the game was over, by the way. That's Because you looked it up. true. But now it's closed. But anyway, doesn't that make that help scene where Octavia Spencer like makes like a shit pie or whatever seem a little bit cheap? It's like, well, we fucking had a guy eating. We put a whole fucking body in there. A lot of shit in there. Intestines. Yeah. Is that a shit, was that a shit yeah. pie in that a movie? a shit pie. Is yeah. a shit chocolate mousse pie or something. Oh, Jesus. But Octavia Spencer is a gem. She's great. Well, she's good in that movie. I just can't see that movie ever again. Yeah, I'm good. That's a movie where all the white people are like, help saving all the black. Fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck that green book shit. See? Fried green tomatoes. Doesn't same do that. Same sort eh, of thing. Eh, it got some problems. All right. <laughs> same sort of thing. Can't believe we didn't talk about that maybe human rib <laughs> slash pig, yeah. human fed pig rib. If you, if you stuck around for that, I bet you're glad you did. Or they're like really mad at us. Like, it was so obviously like a human rib or it was so obviously a pig rib and we are just But not it so remembering. obviously wasn't a human rib. It, it didn't look like a, like a human. It was a rack of ribs. I mean, yeah. and I've seen what a skeleton looks like. I would think it would look. You've seen like uh, what a skeleton, like a human skeleton, looks like. Yeah. Have you ever seen a pig skeleton? Yeah. Where have you seen one? On my plate while I'm eating it. A whole one. Um, nom 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 nom. A whole pig yourself. Um, nom 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 nom. God, this makes me want barbecue. This bit's going nowhere. (laughs) It's going nowhere. Okay. I am really glad that you watch Fried Green Tomatoes. I'm going to make you watch it again before you forget it. Did. Did this re- this whole conversation get recorded? <laughs> you know what's funny is if you listen to podcasts, there's a- you always encounter one where they're like, "Well, son of a bitch, something fucked up," and now this is our second go of this episode. I don't know if I can do a second go. Just well. to let you guys know if that ever happens, all we're gonna say is, "Listen, we watched that movie, we recorded it. Sorry, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Nothing there needed That's to be a repeated. Private episode. Look, we're not. Listen, nothing. Nothing we're gonna say is ever gonna be like, yeah, you know what." We messed up. Let's make sure we say it again so people can hear it. Never going to happen. When There's nothing never we're going to say happen, that's ever insightful. Gonna we're going to have to pay for that. Happen. Stop it. Don't say the song. Ah, okay. Guys, I'm all amped up on this green tea because I haven't had caffeine after uh, 10 o'clock in a few weeks. So. I haven't had caffeine Woo! in two weeks. How you doing? I had a little bit of caffeine. Pretty good. When? What? Just, you know. Stop the recording. This is not. This is not a. This now is, we're just having our regular conversation. This is the stuff that people love. I'm pretty sure that is not true. I don't know. It's what they tell me. Who? Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say I love you. Bye. Like we were on a phone call. Oh, like, I love you. Bye. No, we're in the same room. <laughs> we're not doing this remotely. Well, listeners, I love you and bye. Bye. And we'll talk at you another movie. Oh, we almost messed that up. Love you. Bye. <laughs>